Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I say welcome back because this is the third time we've done this intro tonight. So we're not messing about. We need to just get through this because we spent longer on it now than we would have spent it on it in a normal situation. I'm Connor Clancy with, I can't remember what I say if I said what we're here for. You and you're here too. How are you? I'm here. I'm good. Good. That was better 40 minutes ago. <laughs> I didn't insult you in the intro this time, though. So I, I didn't think you could take three insulting <laughs> intros. I thought two was There's no time alone. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Vito, Dorio, you're also here. You've got a nice haircut, hello. Yeah. Oh, it's been a big relief. I went uh, nearly four months without one. And a few days earlier, I had an irritated right eye. So I think, you know, with the haircut, that's sort of, uh, you know, that's something positive to bring out the last few days for me. There you go. Look, I, I can't even... I acted the second time as if I hadn't heard it once before. The third time, I can't act like I've not heard it twice before. Sorry. <laughs> I can't continue that conversation anymore. Let's just get on with the Serie A, shall we? Because I'm very, very worried. The usual paperwork, not paperwork, the stuff that I need to tell you to do is get to patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football. There's loads of good stuff there for two euro, five euro, or 10 euro a month. I'm sorry, we just don't have the time to go into it in any more detail. It's a shame that, Ewan, right? Because I thought I did a really nice sell on the second pod that is now lost to the internet forever. Yeah, it was. There's a little chat about some new special things that everyone... I suppose you can hear about them in due course. Well, there you go. That's a tease to find out what those new special things are. <laughs> they are available for free on patreon.com slash forza Italian football now. So head over and, and take a look. And if you like what you hear, why not sign up, support the website, let us go to more games, etc. The Serie A action, Saturday at four games played. Empoli 2, Genoa 2, Spezia 1, Torino nil. Big win there for the Aquilotti. 
Juventus Fiorentina played the most boring game of the season. Juve won 1-0. Atalanta beat Cagliari 2-1. Sunday's games started with drama in Venice. Venezia beat Roma 3-2. Samp lost 2-1 at home to Bologna. Udinese, boring Udinese, Vito. They beat the entertaining Sassuolo 3-2, and they had a man sent off. What more could you ask for? Verona and Napoli finished 1-1, despite Verona going down to 10 men quite oddly there, uh, Nikola Kalinic. No, they went down to nine men. Kalinic was the second of the red cards. Apologies. Lazio beat Salernitana 3-0, and the Derby della Madonnina finished 1-1. Milan Inter at the Stadio San Siro, and that is where we're going to start. Where else could we start, really? Milan's Curva put on a really nice choreography before the game, thanking all of Italy's frontline workers for their work throughout the pandemic. And given that Milan were giving free tickets to hospital staff, I thought this was quite a a fitting and touching gesture from the Milan supporters. And even thinking about it now, it's getting a little bit of goosebumps, just realizing how nice that gesture was. And given all that's happened in Italy and in the wider world over the last 18 well, no, it's it's more than that now, isn't it? What is it? 21 months that uh, this whole thing has been going on. But on the pitch, Ewan, it started in electric fashion. And the first half was pretty difficult to keep up with. There were two penalties, a saved penalty, a scored penalty, an own goal, and a whole lot of drama. It was it was brilliant. Yeah, it was loads of fun. And it's it's always great when this sort of game, with it being the even slot, you get a lot of people who tune in who don't necessarily watch all the Italian games. And I think that first half particularly was a really good advert in terms of not necessarily of clear quality, but sort of chaotic fun in the sense of, you know, an own goal that didn't look like one initially and two penalties, a missed one, and the crowd being so, you know, they were so involved with everything. It was that end-to-end that it, it almost felt like the crowd were on the pitch. And it was just... A really, really fun half in the whole game, really. I think what added so much to it was that the the way the penalties were conceded were quite dramatic, but also the goal scorer of the first penalty was the man who won the penalty, and it was Hakan Chalanoglu, of all people. Vito, he was always going to score. He warned us in September that he was going to celebrate if he did score, and, and boy, did he celebrate putting his, his hands behind his ears in front of the Corva suit. But it just had to be him. Yep, it definitely suited the narrative. And uh, after the way he left uh, AC Milan for winter, uh, I suppose that, uh, you know, it would have been fitting. Um, he was uh, marred with consistency throughout his time with the Rossoneri. And uh, he's gone to Inter and... Look, he's still been inconsistent, but it does show his moments of brilliance. But yeah, that moment to really rub it in, I think it just adds to the folklore of the derby. He was probably Inter's best player on the day. He's definitely right up there. But the celebration bothered me a little bit. And that celebration often does, the, the hands behind the ears and the shushing thing. Because very often they're suggesting that everybody was was wrong to to question or criticize them when they've just proven nothing or that the criticism was exactly right and i think that's what happened in the case of chalanoglu because every criticism of him is that he disappears too often and he's too inconsistent to be reliable but that's all he did yesterday or on sunday rather was show that he is inconsistent because he was brilliant but he's not played like that once for Inter other than in his first game. And that was against Genoa or someone ridiculous. So 
I, I wasn't having that celebration, to be perfectly honest with you, but it was it was very nice for the narrative that he scored, and I did enjoy it. I'm sorry, Milan fans. I really enjoyed the fact that Chalonoglu scored because, look, it's it's funny when things like that happen, isn't it? Especially in a big game like that. And because he's got that bit of arrogance, it just makes it funnier because you know he's going to disappear for the next two months again. And it's just, you know what's going to happen with him. You and Milan won't mind too much, will they? Because they drew, but they only really needed to draw because Napoli drew earlier in the, the day. And this draw keeps Inter seven points behind. So Milan, it's early and they were winter champions last season and still finished way behind Inter in in the title race. But they'll be quite happy to have gotten out of there with a point and to to stay seven points clear and joined top into the third international break of the season. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice gap to have to, to back to Inter because obviously it's, a, it's effectively a three-game gap in terms of if they really, really want to cock up. But... You know, there'll be there, there will be that feeling in the back of some Milan fans' mind that we could be top now if we found a way to win. But you know, the, I think the rational way to look at it is that they have kept their main rivals at a nice gap, and they are in a properly good position, especially with the fixture list, to actually push on and get ahead of Napoli by quite far. That's the important thing, right? Because the fixture list is is a lot more favourable to them than it is to Napoli because Milan have beaten Atalanta and Roma away. They've beaten Lazio at home. They've drawn with Juve and with Inter now. Whereas Napoli have played, I mean, they've, they've played, who did they play? They played Juve and Roma, I believe it was, but they've they've not really played anybody. And between, well, now, that Verona game and Christmas is when they play everyone. And I just think that, this is as close as Napoli are going to be to being top for the rest of what's left of this season, particularly when you got the Africa Cup of Nations to consider as well. I know Milan will lose Kessie and Benacer, but really Napoli are going to be a lot more hard hit by that. But you and the, the most impressive thing about this Milan team is they're top of the league, but not once this season has Stefano Pioli been able to call upon his, his first 11 because whether it's been Ibrahimovic or Giroud, or Mañan, or Kayer, or Teo Hernandez, or Brahim Diaz, there's always been someone missing, and very often, more than one of them at the same time. But Pioli just keeps finding a way for this team to work. And even if it doesn't work from the start, he makes the right substitutions and it changes. You've just got to applaud what he's doing there this season again. Yeah. Um, the, the way the players have been coming back, it, it does keep seeming to be he gets two or three back, maybe one back. It was even Diaz over the last couple of weeks. And then somebody gets suspended or somebody else picks up a knock. And you know, it makes me think of, of herding cats <laughs> because it must be really annoying for him Wait, that he can no, never no, 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 quite... No, yeah. no, 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 no. Stop. Because you brought this up in the last recording, Ewan. It and we thought we thought it was lost forever, but I'm not letting you get away with this. Because <laughs> what on earth does herding cats mean? I've never heard that. I like it, right. but I've never heard it. I want correspondence on this <laughs> from social media because this is a phrase that is commonly used. At least it is in the UK, and you know we, we have people from all over the world. And I want to hear who was. Hang on a minute. We've got people from all over the world here. Vito, have you ever heard the phrase "herding cats" before? 
No, I've never heard of herding cats. I've heard of raining cats and dogs, but not yeah. herding cats. <laughs> no, no. You and I think you've just made this up, or it's just some weird Isle of Man thing. No, I, I maintain this is real <laughs> for the whole of the British Isles. Actually, no. not Ireland, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, well, let's not get into that right now because we'll spend the rest of the pod <laughs> talking about that. However, you did say that the Isle of Man have a weird obsession with cats. So would it not make sense for it to be an Isle of Man saying? Yeah, it's very possible. Manx cats are a thing. Cats with no tail is just a thing there. I don't know why it's an ancient thing. So it's not beyond the realm's possibility that that has stemmed from the... You said it's a very it... well-known saying, and you said that with a lot of a lot of chest. Well, I've never tried to link it to the Isle of Man, to be honest, but until you brought that up. <laughs> but I don't know why they'd be herding them. But it would be hard. Why would anyone sense. in the world be herding cats? <laughs> well, people with a lot of cats. Well, what does it you mean? You need to get them in. Like, go back to bring it back to Milan. What what does the the phrase herding cats so mean in the context? The, of the it Olive? means so. Say say you've got like a basket of kittens, and one of them jumps out <laughs> as, while you're you while do. you're getting one while you're put, getting one to <laughs> put it back. Another one, one Dalmatians. Like what? Why are we carrying yeah, that, that is, That's what cats? the phrase means. <laughs> some, some people have baskets of cats, and it you know. So the, the point being that Diaz and Ibra have just been brought back into the basket of cats but oh no Teo Hernandez has jumped out and got suspended and now I have to go and get him (laughs) so I bet Pioli knows what I'm talking about okay and when Teo comes back Giroud falls out and hurts his leg or something yeah yeah he'll be the next cat okay (laughs) okay so what in this cat analogy what is the equivalent of Teo's stupid red card to get himself suspended for the derby uh, it's probably like a cat that he's only just got back in. So he's already like kind of annoyed at that cat. And then it's just immediately leapt out again. And it's like, it's taken some with it as well because it was okay. that stupid. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Thank you, listeners. I-, I hope you're keeping up with that. Please let us know if I'm in the wrong here or if hopefully Ewan is in the wrong here because I've never heard of that before. And I think Ewan's just made it up or he's weird because he's from the Isle of Man and I do you're the only person I know from the Isle of Man as well, so I think I'm allowed to call you weird, haven't I? No, yeah, yeah, that's fair. There's not many people. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, look, we've got to get back to it. The penalties. There was a little bit of controversy about these penalties, Vito, but to be perfectly honest with you, I can't work out why, because they were both penalties, weren't they? Uh, I thought they both were. Uh, the first one on the initial look, you'd think it was uh, just clumsy from both players. But when you look at the replay, uh, Frank Kessie adjusts his left leg and uh, gets gets it in between Chalonoglu's legs. So uh, the Turkish international gets tripped there. Then on the second incident, um, Balotore, you know, fouls Darmian. So the the fair calls in my view. Yeah, it was it was really poor from from Balotelli, and I know he's he's young and he's, he shouldn't really be in the team. I mean, he only is because one of the cats jumped out of the basket. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been anywhere near this game. But uh, I felt bad for him, especially getting dragged at, at the break too. But there was a a gif that our friend Nima Tavali shared on Twitter about this, and obviously he's going hard on this from an Inter fans' perspective to annoy everyone else, but. The gift that he shared showed a perfect angle and at perfect speed to understand what happened here. So Chalonoglu did get his leg in front of Kessie and then Kessie's leg went over Chalonoglu's, felt a little bit of contact and almost tried to 
do that thing where that he throws himself to highlight the contact. But in throwing himself, his leg went and, and tripped up Chalunoglu. So it was it was quite obviously a penalty because what Chalunoglu did was nowhere near enough to be a foul. So it was a good one. I, I would recommend heading over to Nima's Twitter account. It just if you want to start a fight, Nima's always good for that. <laughs> or you can just look at the gif and leave peacefully. Um, Ewan, Inter messed up here. And that it's it's a big missed opportunity. They missed a penalty in this game. They're playing against the Milan side without Teo Hernandez and without their first-choice goalkeeper. And seven points behind coming into this, they needed to win. Yeah, all the talk coming into it from every pundit and anyone who was interviewed was that the win is so much bigger for Inter here. And, you know, they missed many chances. And then when you also add in, like, the the Barilla one and the Vidal one, where you you just, you'd always bet that they're going to score there. And... You know, you know they didn't lose, so they've not fallen further behind. But essentially, they, they've they've got to make up that gap now by hoping that Milan Napoli drop points rather than Inter being the ones to take the points off them. It's it's not in their hands for the time being now. Yeah, it's it's a worrying bit that Barella miss. Oh, Nicola, I love you so much, but you've got to score that chance. And I do think if that's Brozovic, if that's Chalonoglu, I think they score there to be perfectly honest, there's just something about Barella, as great as he is, that sometimes when he's in the box, he just thinks, ah, shoot! And he doesn't look and say, okay, I'm going to put this there. And if he could add that to his game, he'd be scoring 15, 20 goals a season because he gets those chances. It was the same against Udinese. There was a one where he was put through and he made this great run in. And then he just got into the box and just poked it instead of just being a striker, which I know he isn't, but anyway, let's move on, shall we? Are we are we ready to move on? I know it was a bit of a chaotic derby, but I think we're good. Yes, perfect. Right, well, we'll go to to a calmer place. <laughs> it's not really that much calmer because Venice was mad. It was mad. Venezia beat Roma three two. Vito, you covered this one for us, and what a game this was as well. For me, I reckon it's one of the contenders for game of the season. Just an end-to-end spectacle, a lot of chances. And uh, although Roma had the more possession and the more shots, uh, Venezia, they were rather quick and direct, took their chances better, and a few players uh, performed above themselves. So, yeah, really enjoyable to watch. And, uh, yeah, definitely one that I'm sure many neutrals would have enjoyed as well. Uh, I was... You and I were like messaging back and forth a little bit during this game. And I somehow didn't see any of the calls live because when I turned it on, it was one nil. And then I was half watching, but doing things around the flat for the rest of it. And I must've seen every minute in which a goal wasn't scored and missed the, the four minutes when the other four goals came. You and you're obviously a, a huge supporter of, of both Venezia and Roma. I think you've got Venezia tattooed on your left arm and Roma on your right, if I'm if I'm correct. So you must feel it's the like, other way around. But yeah. Sorry, Roma on the left, Venezia on the right. Interesting, given how Roma's political ideologies have changed in the last few years, it should probably be the way I said. But um, 
how are you feeling about this? You must be torn, distraught, destroyed. The the vibe clubs are inseparable. Uh, I'm relatively happy with this result and performance good vibes for both teams you. because the reason being that I think the points mean more to Venezia in the context of their season. I know that obviously everything's horrible for Roma right now and they're without winning five, I think it is. I think I heard it said. Um, and, you know, they they just... They, it kind of got lost a bit in terms of the fact that the first half, for most of it, they were actually very good. And they probably should have been about 4-2 up at half time. But the second half, they just faded badly. And I wouldn't say Venezia improved drastically in the second half, but they, they kind of just turned it around in a relatively calm manner. It didn't feel like Roma were actually going to get anything from the game once it got to about 2 all. I take what you mean, but the last five, ten minutes, did it not feel yeah, to you get, as if yeah, Roma scoring <laughs> here? I don't yeah. know how Roma didn't score. There was that chance, and I can't remember who it fell to. The, it was Carlos Perez, wasn't it, where he volleyed it and it deflected. Off, I think it was Maxim Buzio. Was it Buzio that? It, but did I just did I just invent his first name? I think you yeah, did. You didn't call him Luca. Why did I call him Maxi? Maxime Buzzi, the, the Parma defender. That's where that's come from. Apologies. Um, Gianluca Buzio. I, I just knew that sounded wrong. But Vito, you, as I said, covered this game. You did the post-match piece as well. And you've exposed yourself. You've exposed yourself as one of Kev's little minions. You're a Mourinho hater. Why? <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm a Mourinho hater. I just your article, think the way your this... article said you're a Mourinho hater. I'm just more or less a little underwhelmed with the spell that's been going on so far. Again, it's a matter of uh, consistency, you know, and unfortunately, Mourinho hasn't produced that consistency like you've seen at most of the clubs where he's had his great successes. So, um, look, I think where he might uh, need to take more responsibility is the timing of the substitutes, but in his defence... I think what he said after the first game against Bodo Glimt in the Conference League, I think uh, Roma have depth issues. Um, I think the gap between some of the best players and then some of those he has to bring off the bench, I think there's a significant difference. And players like Carles Perez, um, they don't really belong there. Gonzalo Villa, he didn't play, but I think he's another one that should probably go in. Borja Mayoral, another sub. Uh, did good on the Fonseca, but I think with Shomurodov and Abraham there, I don't think he's going to get many opportunities. Look at that. And just like that, you're back on the Mourinho train. I love to see it, Vito. Uh, I really, really do. We're going to talk about some kits with the next game, which is Napoli-Verona, which finished 1-1. But before we do, you and I'm aware that Napoli, not Napoli, Venezia said they were releasing this new kit when me, you and Kev were together. We've not spoken about it since it's been released. It's red. It's quite nice, but I'm disappointed. Really, I think it's lovely. You know, uh, it I, is, I wouldn't say I expected it. ahead of the, the home and away are fantastic. The third, I can leave. I'm not keen on the colour. I know the point of it, but I'm just not sure it looks right. Um, but I think this is a, a very nice kit. It almost it's it's more like a it's much more of a fashion kit than a football kit. I'd say <laughs> it is a. Gorgeous, gorgeous kit. But when we saw the promotional photo, I was expecting a madness. Like some painting was going to be on each shirt, and each shirt yeah, was going to be slightly subtle, different. But yeah, 
it's it's gorgeous and it'll definitely sell everywhere but yeah i don't know i think my my expectations were too high based on the excellent promotion they did and the fact that they've got some class kits already i prefer the blue ones or the red one i'm just gonna put it out there but i don't like red very much but no one cares about that napoli's kit what you make of that one they put diego maradona's head on it and they're charging 150 quid yeah i've got mixed feelings on it in the sense it's very nice in the maradona way and it's a very nice commemorative thing but they are really taking the piss now in terms of i don't get as angry as kepler's about a number of kits but i'm convinced they've won about eight different ones so far this season. <laughs> but, do you know what the worst thing about this kit is it's a limited edition kit which is going to run for a month so in the three games they play in november they're going to wear this kit but they're not really because the kit is available in three colors so they're going to wear a different version of the same kit every time they play in november <laughs> So that one was dark and navy blue. (laughs) What colours are they going to do next? Well, this is the thing that winds me up with the the financial bit. That's what winds me up is because it's become a thing where now you can have the, I think it's like the fan version, which for most kits for like Premier League size, it's like 75 quid for the shirt of, for like a shit one, basically. And then you can pay 120 or whatever for the one with the proper embroidery and stuff. But that's what you used to get. That used to be the shirt that you'd buy. They've just made a shit one, made it the same price as what you used to always pay, and then made you pay 40 quid more for what you used to get. <laughs> Can you please stop swearing when we're not on Patreon? Because <laughs> some countries don't like that. Well, you've hit a nerve. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Financial fair. nerve. <laughs> fair enough. No, it is. It's scandalous, to be to be quite honest with you. And I think that's the real reason Kev's not here this week, because he's just seething about this whole Napoli thing. But we've got to talk about the game. They did draw 1-1. Vito, Verona just keep performing against the bigger sides. Roma, Lazio, Milan, they came so close. Juve, and now just add Napoli to the list. Oh, uh, yes. Well, uh, Verona, especially since Tudor's jumped on board, they've looked like a completely different side, far more competitive. And uh, they're just happy to play their own game. They're happy to attack opponents in some games when Juric was there. There were times where I thought maybe they were a bit too cautious at times or they didn't always have that confidence. But this time, they're backing their own ability and uh, to... Return to Verona with a point from Naples. I think that's something they can be happy about. They will be. They will be. They will be very, very happy about that indeed. Before we get on to the rest of the Serie A men's chat, we're going to take a, a quick dip into Serie A femminile because we we missed it out last week just because things were a little bit too mad. Juve are still top, still unbeaten, eight wins from eight. Sassuolo are back on track after having lost to Roma last time out. They're three points behind Juve. Then two points behind them are Milan. And then Roma and Sampdoria are making up the rest of the top half. But Hewan, this, this weekend just gone. The goals we saw scored were a joke. And I know Vita doesn't follow Serie A Feminile. So we, we've sent him the video to the best four goals seen this weekend. And he was blown away as well. What was going on this weekend? Because the goals were ridiculous. It was daft. I mean, we, we kind of say every week that, you know, people can go and have a look at it on um, on YouTube. There's the FIGC 
um, for me to lay channel and they're very punctual with their highlights. They're up straight away. This really is the week to go and have a look. If you've got 20 odd minutes, however long it takes, you know, it's only six games each game week and just have a little look because beyond those four goals that were the really good ones that kind of did the rounds on Twitter, there was still four or five more that were like noteworthy goals, <laughs> but they've just not really been talked about because there was four stupidly good goals mm. that went in. Well, we've got to point out that the FIGC Feminile account at the end of every match week do a top three goals. And this week they did top four because they couldn't just do three of them, which I've never seen done before. But Sofia Cantore, I know we interviewed her recently, but she oh, she scored one of the best goals I've seen in a long, long time. Just booted it. A combination of a boot and a lob from 40 yards. And I sent it to you saying, look what she has just done. And then as I sent that to you, I went back onto Twitter and I saw what Eleonora Goldoni had done for Napoli. And I had to say, she's at it too. And then we just saw all of them come through. It was an insane, insane weekend. But Ewan, I'm not going to make you pick your favourite goal because I know you and I have different opinions on that. But what, what's happening in, in Serie A Feminile at the moment? Well, it was it was a massive weekend for Sassuolo because after being the first to slip up last weekend, they simply had to win. You know, it's kind of in the way all the way through the season, but they, they really, really had to win because um, Juve played on the Friday night, which was unusual. I'm not entirely sure why, but so they, they got six points ahead very quickly. They beat Sampdoria. And then Sassuolo were up against Pomigliano, who only came up last year. Um, but they've been much better than expected. And, you know, Sassuolo went 2-0 up, it was a bit calm. And then suddenly it was 2-all, quite quick into the second half. And you think, oh no, are they actually going to sort of flip a little bit and fall a bit further behind? You can't see how it's going to change, but then daft goals happened <laughs> and they're ahead. In terms of the bottom, there's two really defined teams at the bottom now. In terms of, that's where I've got one point. Last year I've got no points. And it's very hard to see any way for them to stay in the division now because, you know, they're, they're almost at the halfway point now in terms of games. And when you've taken that many points, you, you've almost played everyone now. It's it's just not going to turn around for them. Ewan, I was just wondering, um, I must admit, I haven't been able to keep in touch with not only just the Feminile, but the Italian uh, ladies national team um, my last experience watching them was uh, at the 2019 World Cup when they reached the quarterfinals and uh, I thought there were some interesting players there um, players like Girelli, Giacinti, um, Bonansea um, are those the type of players that are still the core of the team today and if you look at the players that are emerging now especially those ladies that scored those wonder goals uh, would any of them challenge for a place in the Azzurri squad under Milena Bertolini now? Yeah, those players you mentioned, just, you know, every time the national team play, you know, they, they routinely win by a few goals. And it's always those players added in with um, Valentina Chernoia, who's also from Juve, because three that you named are Juve and then one is Milan. And they just seem to rule the roost up front, basically, <laughs> just scoring non-stop. In terms of players that can sort of nip in. Um, Anna Maria Sertorini at Roma is a really, really interesting player and she's routinely 
she's routinely in the squads now, but she doesn't seem to really, she's not been getting on the pitch in the last few games. Um, you know, she's kind of in direct competition with Chen Noy, who's just in incredible form for the national team. So she might have to wait a little while. But that, you know, that is yet another very strong weapon that Italy have got on the bench. Chen Noy has managed to carry her. Italy form over to Juve as well, which is frightening because they didn't need her to do that. But she's just <laughs> stepping up now, and it's a joke. But I, I would say of the players who scored those goals as well, Vito Sofia Cantore is is twenty two. She's just been in phenomenal form for Sassuolo since joining. She's on loan from Juve uh, this season there, and she just cannot be stopped. She's she's going to be a much better player by the time that World Cup comes around as well, because she's twice the player this season that she was last. And last season, she was twice the player she was the year before. She's such an exciting talent. I've compared her to Federico Chiesa before as well. And I do think that she is Feminile's answer to him. And also Eleonora Goldoni, because she's one of those odd ones who transcends women's football because she's just, she does everything. And everyone in Italy knows who she is, which can't be said for most women's footballers but she was in the setup while she was at Inter but then she wasn't playing all that regularly and she's gone to Napoli now where she's captain and she's playing really well this season I mean she scored two at the weekend but that's just kind of the the tip of the iceberg for her she is someone who will be undoubtedly looking at getting back into that team whether it's with Napoli or whether she's gonna have to go elsewhere a little bit further up the table but yeah there's definitely a lot to get excited about when you watch this, the Italian national team as well, because they, they do, as you said, routinely score quite a lot of goals. But anyway, we're going to talk about, after that excitement, we're going to talk about the worst part of the weekend, because Juve hosted Verona and Vito, look, they would 1-0, but it's the most boring game I think I've seen in about two years. Well... It was quintessential Allegri, let's be honest. I mean, for him, it's just about getting the results. Um, you know, I've said it numerous times. I mean, we haven't seen a consistently exciting Allegri team since he was in Coyote more than a decade ago. So, you know, another stock standard Euro result and a typical Allegri-like performance. So, um, yeah, not really much home to write about, to be honest. It w- this risk ruining my weekend. I was, it was one of those games that when I watched, I was genuinely annoyed because I knew it was going to be dull, but I watched because I thought maybe Fiorentina will, will get a result there again. But after it, I was genuinely angered that I wasted my time on it and I didn't just go and get a pint or something because my God, and you and I put you down to, to report on this one for us. I can only hold my hands up and say, look, I am sorry. If I could give you those two hours back, I would. Unfortunately, I can't. And look, yeah, sometimes you just have to, to go through these things. But I, I do sincerely apologise. Yeah, it, it'll take me a bit of time to move past it mentally. But um, it it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, right until the last sort of... Once Milenkovic got sent off, Juve came out and then it was... It was a much more interesting game then. But no, the, then um, you just knew it was going to be 1-0 then. <laughs> yeah, at least it's off. a one <laughs> it was something I don't really care if they win anymore but <laughs> I just wanted something to happen even the red card wasn't actually a very interesting one like there was no arguments <laughs> it could have at least been a dodgy one that would have been slightly interesting even the goal was boring 
Kojara gets to the byline and mm. it's a deflected shot. Because it was dull. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it was dull on replay. I mean, when it first went in, it looked like he just kind of expertly lashed it across. And it was, you know, there was a, there was a good good amount of the whole team sprinting over. I'm clutching at things that made it interesting. Whether we got Gieza made it interesting. Yeah, that's very true. It's it's no it's no secret that pretty much all the UVA fans fans feel the same about Federico Chiesa right now. And there's a piece up on the website that I did after the game. I did it, I did it the morning after because I couldn't bring myself to think about the game anymore. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I started it and I thought, no, I'm just not doing this now. But um, he he was in this right mid position again that Allegri keeps using him in, and it you know it's just useless. He's just not in the game. It's a it's a waste of talent. And um, it was once the red heart happened and he, I, I can't remember exactly what, what it was that Allegri changed, but he was significantly higher at the pitch and he was popping up all over the final third. And he had that brilliant half volley onto the crossbar and he had another really good chance as well. It was, you know, he didn't quite catch it perfectly when um, somebody played it across the box for him. But, you know, he was in the right place and he was making stuff happen. And you know, Allegri's got to, uh, at some point, realise that he just has to play that man higher at the pitch yeah. and it, it will work for him. Yeah. That that shot they hit off the crossbar, that was violent. It was one of those moments where you you don't care who wins the match, really. Like, I would have preferred to see Fiorentina win it because, you know, funny. But when he hit that shot, I just thought, oh, yeah, right, Chiesa's here now. We're, we're going to have a, at least that to fall back on for the rest of this game. But it wasn't quite to that extent afterwards. But yeah, at least there was a goal, I suppose. Although I think it would have been more fun if there wasn't because Fiorentina had the man less. But I don't know. Can we stop thinking and talking about this game forever now and let's move on to... Uh, they've wisened up, guys, because it was it was the weekend that every Serie A fan looks forward to this weekend. And that is, of course when Cagliari hosts Atalanta and in the top left-hand corner of the screen, it says Cagata, which, look, Ewan, you've already done it. It says shit, guys, at the top left-hand corner of Italian screens every year, once a year. Everyone looks forward to it. Everyone talks to their mates saying, are you going to watch it? Are you going to look at the screen and get a picture tonight? It's going to be great, isn't it? (laughs) They've changed it. So Cagliari are now, I think, just CA and Atalanta are ATL. Only in this game. For every other game, Cali are a CAG and Atalanta are ATA. But for this game, it's CA, Apple. And it, it's just not the same when we're talking about a group of cows, is it? But look, Duvan Zapata, firstly, phenomenal again. Absolutely phenomenal. I love him to bits. I love him more than I've ever loved any person that's not related to me. And I just think he's the best thing that exists in the world at the moment, to be honest with you. And Ewan, Atalanta, despite having been without, basically, Luis Muriel, because he's not in form. Malinowski's not in form. They're without Gosens and Hatabor. They've been without Pessina. He returned. They've been without Jim City, who's probably their best defender. They've, they've had to play Palomino as the only defender. Demi has been settling in. The captain Toloi has been missing. But Atalanta are fourth and they're not even playing well. It's frightening and brilliant at the same time. 
yeah, it's deeply impressive. And Gasparini will be thinking to himself, you know, we've we always start slowly, and then we've had it compounded by all those injuries that you mentioned. It's a baffed amount of injuries, and a lot of them are in the same position as well. And it's one of one of their probably two main positions of strength as well. It's what their whole gameplay is based upon with the wings, and they've had to completely change that. And they'll be thinking, well, you know, I've navigated that perfectly. Surely this is more or less where we want to be. And you know, maybe they'd want, you know, they want to be a little bit higher, but they're, they're in a position where a good run of form, and they can easily find themselves in third, potentially even knocking around second, depending on what happens with the other two if Napoli drop down, etc. And he'll think, oh, yeah, I've not got away with it because it's through his own management that they've done this well. But he will feel like he's got away with a nasty set of injuries and got his team in a very good place. And Gasparini further endeared himself to Atalanta and Bergamo the whole lot after the game. He's already got the, the freedom of the city of Bergamo. He's been made an, um, an honorary citizen, I think is the, the term. But after the game, he was asked, would he ever like to to have an experience abroad? And he says, I'm... I'm doing well I'm, I'm i enjoy my life i live well in in italy and bergamo in particular and that also counts a lot and he thinks well sometimes i think maybe if i went abroad and away from bergamo i'd be a lot more rich but i'd be i'd be a lot less happy and when i saw that i just wanted to hug him i i, I love him so so much and he's he's gonna die at atalanta he's gonna be at atalanta forever and everything's gonna be great and he's never gonna fall out with any good players again and everything's just brilliant and gasp Duvan I love you never please never argue because if you two do it I think I don't know I don't think my heart could take it to be honest with you the Papu gate is still still quite high on, on things that affect me emotionally so let's not get into that and let's swiftly move on to some more good news because Vito I <laughs> know We've got to talk about Udinese in a positive light because they beat Sassuolo 3-2. And you were calling them boring a week ago. Oh, it'll be more than a week. Uh, it's been a few times I've been calling them boring. But maybe someone's hearing this podcast and sending them a message. I don't know if it's to the Bozzo family or to Gotti, but it's like something in the great cosmos out there. Someone's got the message through to them and we've heard uh, seen this game so you know yeah it's quite incredible and De Lefeu turned on the style again he's another player with consistency issues but if he can be more reliable for the Zabrete uh, that might help them a bit more but um, also another thing I'll point out about Sassuolo and that's where Udinese got a bit of help. Davide Fratesi, he's been one of the good players so far, but he gave Udinese a bit of help, scored for himself for Sassuolo, and then he scored a bit for um, the Friolani as well. So eh, I think he was just happy to score. Don't you dare. Don't you dare speak ill <laughs> of Davide Fratesi. We're only oh. having good things said about him on this podcast. This That's season. the only downside. That was the only <laughs> downside. But at least he's got the scoring touch. I, this would have been nice if he focused on his team only. <laughs> I never said this on the podcast, but I think I know I know the mole. I know the mole in Udine. It's um it's Isaac's success. Success. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's just written success, right? I've not looked mm. into the pronunciation of his surname, but while I was leaving the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza last weekend, I saw 
quite a identifiable figure out of me. And it was him. He was just chilling around the place. All the fans had been out and he was behind the, the gated bit, but just outside the, the press area. And as I was walking, he, he looked at me and I looked back at him and I just said hello. And he, he said hello back. So maybe he saw the, the FIF sticker on, on my notepad or on my laptop. And he said, that, that's, a, that's a guy whose opinion I want to listen to. That's a website that I want to, to subscribe <laughs> to. So he listened to the pod and he went back and he said, Luca, come on, we need to book our ideas up. Vito's not happy. So there you go, Vito. You can thank Great success. <laughs> there we go. Um, elsewhere, Ewan, Empoli Genoa finished 2-2, but who cares? Because Davide Ballardini is gone, and they've only gone and hired Andrei Shevchenko to be the new coach. What an appointment this is. Yeah, Ballardini's gone again, as Vito's pointed out. He'll be back. I think you know we we used the word vibes a lot earlier for Venezia oh, Roma. I think I think we can file this under the <laughs> under the uh, vibe category because Shevchenko is is what I think everyone likes Shevchenko, don't they? I think, you know, some some Chelsea fans don't, but most of them really really do. Idiots. Um, yeah, yeah. The 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 principal ones like him, and you know he, he did really really well with Ukraine in the summer, and then I think that. From, from from what I remember in terms of him leaving that job, it was just kind of, it was already agreed that they were just going to come to the end of that relationship at the end of that tournament. And, you know, I think Genoa probably snapped him up before a lot of other teams were going to do the same in various other countries. There's been a host of sackings in England at the moment. And I imagine similar things are going on in Germany, etc. And a lot of clubs will have been thinking about Shevchenko. And, you know, a lot of bigger clubs than, than Genoa will have been thinking about Shevchenko, so I think they've done really well there. Vito, you must be disappointed because it is an exciting one. And for him to go to Genoa, I mean, it must be a frustrating given who your president is and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, I think now with Genoa being under the ownership of the 777 group, it looks like they're going to have different ideas to what Preziosi had. So I think if Shevchenko had gone there when Preziosi was fully in charge, I think he'd have a massive task on his hands and I would have seen it as, yeah, just the recipe for disaster. But perhaps uh, with the new ownership, uh, this might be a good chance for Shevchenko to set to win a little bit more. And I think he's also a draw card for the Griffone too, considering what a great career he had with AC Milan. So at least he'll bring some positive vibes to that part of the city, whereas with some... um, no, we can only just dread at the existence of Ferrero at the club. You know, I've already have a bit of a good record with strikers in recent years. Can you imagine being an up-and-coming, exciting forward in Europe at the moment and Genoa come to you? You think, right, well, this is a club where forwards go and do well and I'm going to be coached by one of the greatest forwards of this century as well. You'd, you'd love to go there and play. And Vito, the other side of things, you've got that, like you've got that clown as as president of your club, and Roberto De Varsa, who's kind of just stinking the place out at the moment as well. It must be so frustrating to see because Samp should be the exciting club in that city. Oh, we should be uh, putting my bias aside, you know. Voted best kits, well, mostly considered best kits in the world. Um, we've had our own. 
illustrious history, whereas generalist history is confined to the 1890s and 1920s. We were great during a great era for Italian football. And uh, to show my bias in this case, you know, the Doria name around the world, it's great promotion for my family, my ancestors, those not related to me. So I'd like to think some Doria should be helping generate the good vibes. But uh, Ferrero, I think he's off in another planet or maybe he should go back to um, his hometown. You know, Rome is a beautiful city. Rome's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's my favourite city. But uh, uh, his heart's clearly not in general and certainly not his mind. And the Versa was the wrong choice from the start. So hopefully we have news soon that he's sacked and um, we get a new coach. And I know Beppe Iacchini has his critics, but for what we've got, I think he's probably the best of what we could possibly get. So, uh, look, I'll just, you know. Vito Doria, you versus bad, are a but champion of football and you are Beppe Iacchini at your club. I need someone who's going to bring stability and the verse ain't bringing that. Oh, my God. I think the world is going to end. I never thought I'd hear the day where you wanted Iacchini in. We can't get anyone else, especially with Ferrero not spending any money. I mean, I'd want a better coach than Yakini, but given the circumstances, I mean, even a Giampaolo return would be risky because since he left Stump, his career's gone down the gutter. I mean, he's lost his way too. So, I if he's been linked with a return, but uh, uh, I don't think he'd be able to recapture that magic he had the first time around. So. Mm. Sacking the Versa, I think it has to be done, but the options for anyone better just really aren't there. And um, who who can really, I mean, with Ferrero, I mean, who's really going to be taking peanuts for yeah. payment? You know, to do that job, you need a good wage for states. And then Ferrero's not going to spend on the market or make some shrewd buys, say. Yeah. Um, you yeah, need it's a very good salary awesome. to be able to put up with having Ferrero showing Damn up right. in your face every week and every day. Mm. My God, when I was at the Sassuolo Sampdoria Feminile game this season, he was there mm-hmm. and he was just, he's wherever he goes, it's like the circus is in town. Because, <laughs> firstly, look at him. And I don't like commenting on people's appearance, but look at that man. He's mad looking. Um, he looks insane and he is insane. But then he got into an argument with someone who I, I believe was a, a Genova based journalist because he went up and he started asking him questions and Ferrero just started going nuts. And then Ferrero had, I, I don't know. I just assumed a grandchild based on the age of the kid and their relationship uh, with him. And Pharrell kept pointing at the kid, but then getting more animated. And the, the journalist was very calm the whole time, but Pharrell was just losing it. And then even after that, just the way he moves about the place, you're just like, he's, he commands attention and never for the right reasons. You, you remember a few years ago, people used to get a load of great content out of him because when Sam were having their couple of good seasons, he'd be tying scarves around his head, running on the pitch, and he just... He's box office, but it must be a disaster to have at your club. And every time Ferrero makes an appearance, I just think, I'm so happy to have Percassi and that family in charge of my <laughs> club because it's great. But 
yeah, Vito, I'm sorry. But it's funny how quickly things can change in football as well, right? Because I remember after the Milan thing, we chatted about Gianpaolo and you said, look, yeah, I'd still be willing to take a risk on him. But then the, the Torino experiment was a disaster. So I can understand your, your apprehension there. But Iacchini, I mean, that is the, the state of things at Samp now because he would come in mm. and he'd probably keep you up. But you're going to have a miserable time. And it, you're not going to be well, getting up at all hours of the morning to watch a Iacchini Sampdoria play. No, I mean, with a Iacchini team, you just... Check the result, watch the highlights, that's it. It won't be an enjoyable experience to watch for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, the main pro- the main problem with this sump team is that the defence is weak and there's no stability at the back. So I think get that right first. And then if uh, Kandreva and Caputo can bang in a few goals, that will be the redeeming features. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, this uh, diverse experiment's unfortunately been a failure. Mm, unfortunately, I do feel bad for Roberto Diversa as well, having followed him very, very closely at Parma in, in their Serie A seasons. But yeah, he's not he's not had a great, what now, a year since he went back to Parma. It would have been January or February when he went back there. So the last nine, ten months haven't been the best for him. Um, the other games, Spezia beat Torino 1-0. Ewan and Lazio beat Salernitana 3-0. We won't talk about I was in great depth, but a big win for Spezia and a pretty textbook win for, for Lazio. Yeah, in terms of Spezia, they're just hovering above the relegation zone. They were without a win in three before this, which is just edging into the territory that you don't want to get into with a rot setting in, where it becomes a big mental thing to get that next win. So that, that's very big for them. And clearly Torino are back to normal. But in terms of Lazio, the... The third goal in particular, when you say the easiness, so I see how bamboozled with Torino going. <laughs> all yeah. I mean is that, 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 that that's, a, that's a Torino result of last year, is all I mean. <laughs> they, they slipped back a year for, for that result. But with, um, <laughs> with, with the Lazio game, in terms of it being easy, the third goal was so calm from Luis Alberto, but mainly in the sense that there was no one near him. And he just took the ball down in the box and gently slotted it into the back of the net and no one seemed to care. And I want to round off the kit chat by saying that what Salernitana were wearing was shocking. A black shirt with um, you know, their normal colour shorts and it looked horrible. And I've not seen them wear that yet this season. And I don't want to see it again. I'll level with you. I've not seen this. Can you give me a bit more of a description? Well, I only saw it in the highlights because I, can see it now. Okay. I did not watch this game and it's not nice. Oh, I don't know how I'd quickly get I don't know. What's wrong with that? I, don't, I immediately saw it and thought, no, I'm not having that. I'm looking <laughs> at it now. It's just, nice. It is. It's just there. What is the name of the club? No, yeah. I, it, to me, it, it looks upside down. It yeah, I do, feels... I do know what you mean, actually. It does look like it's upside down. Just 100% <laughs> looks like it's upside down. Fair point. <laughs> You've won me over there. Um, I mean, the yellow doesn't sit right with everything else. And, I don't know, it's hard to criticise because it is just their colours, but it's just, it's just the way that they've manoeuvred them with that kit yeah. just sticks out badly. Vito and that's why they lost. Rightly observed that you and a stepping to replace Kev and just chatting about <laughs> kids the whole time. But there you go. Um, guys, don't want to put a jinx on it, but I think we've done it. 
unless things cut out dramatically now, I think we've made it through third time looking on, on the pod. So listeners, if you've made it this far, thank you very much. Trust us. You've not made it anywhere near as far as us. Double the time it took you to listen to this. And that's how long it's taken us to record it. But seeing as I think we're on pretty safe ground, indulge me for just a moment when I tell you about patreon.com slash Forza Italian football. We do have a lot, and I mean a lot, of content going up there on a regular basis. If you want to continue hearing from us through international breaks, well, this is the place to go because we we will not be releasing podcasts on international breaks on Spotify, Acast, and all of those places. When there's a midweek round of Serie A, if you want that podcast, Patreon is the place to go because we will only be doing the regular Monday pods on those usual places. As well as that, for five euro a month, you have the opportunity to get weekly newsletters from me here in Italy, as well as two extra podcasts and soon to come Vito Doria. Can you tell them what you will be contributing on a monthly basis for the five euro patrons? So I'll be focusing on uh, some historical stuff. So I'm hoping to, you know, discuss or write about uh, the great, teams of the past that both club and international level just the Italian clubs you know uh, with a great record in Europe and of course Serie A having its glory days things like that then the Azzurri we were fortunate to live through them winning the Euros this year but they've obviously had great successes previously so we can you know I'll be talking about that and hopefully going into more depth and providing something more insightful because I do love looking at the historical stuff and researching that. There you go. And we, we also launched an, a new series exclusively for patrons called FIF Presents Inside Italian Football. And the idea of that is for those of us who live out here to take you into the stadiums with us. It's just a short, I think it's about an 18-minute podcast from Inter Udinese at the Stadio Giuseppe Meazza last weekend. But it's not time-sensitive. It's not dependent on on the result or anything like that head over have a listen to it i think it's if, if i can say i think it's one of the the better things we've we've put on there so far it's one of the better ideas we've i've had <laughs> um, and yeah I, I would encourage you it is available for free on patreon at the moment so you can head over to patreon.com slash italian football and listen to that without any need to give any money or to sign up or anything but please do contribute even just two euro a month if you don't want any of the extra benefits just to help keep the site running we've been going for 12 13 years now doing a podcast every week for for that long so do head over there and and, and give us what you can we very much appreciate it those of you who are signed up get involved engage with us over there we want to to speak to you want to give you guys the things you want you asked for historical stuff Vito's going to give you historical stuff and if you want anything else ask us and we'll give it to you we're, we're nice people really everybody thank you for listening um ewan Vito, thank you for your patience for for sticking it out for a, a bumper recording session ewan <laughs> you basically live on patreon with me so i'm sure you'll be back at some point over the international break to talk through italy's games but for now say goodbye to everybody else Goodbye, everybody else. And Vito, <laughs> say say goodbye. Goodbye. 
and it's goodbye from me as well. Batteva forte la Marangona, 14 dicembre 1907. Marziale e Reier giocavano a pallone, in laguna la nebbia si tagliava a fette. Nacque così quella sera tra terra e mare, la squadra che ci fa sognare. Le prime parti delle maglie blu granata, ma quella con il Genoa veniva incasinata. Nuovi colori nella nostra bandiera, come in armi a rialto, casacca verde e nera. Nel 27 nasce il nuovo stadio, e le partite di calcio alla radio. E con Bennati come presidente, in panchina a Girani non ci ferma niente. Nel 39 col cuore, con l'abilità, bravi fiori, eccoci in Serie A. L'attacco spinge con noi che Valentino Mazzola, battiamo Inter, Juve, Roma e anche Viola. E con Leone Alato che ci tiene in groppa, finalmente vinciamo l'italiana coppa. E con l'alato Leone che ci fa da paglia, vinciamo la coppa Italia.
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 